0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay. Plus taxes and fees. Phone fees 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement. Due $35 per line connection charge apply. CT Mobile.com.
1: Welcome back to Sports Talk here on the Big 870. Mike to tell you along with Charlie Long. Bobby J got the day off today. Uh, Jeff Nowak will join us at 540 for a triple option. Want to tell everybody at 520. President and CEO of the Greater New Orleans Sports Foundation. Jay Cicero will join us to talk about Super Bowl 59 coming to New Orleans. And, Charlie, you may get a chance there uh, to go see a Super Bowl.
2: Yeah, Mike, you said you've seen a couple, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that would be fun.
1: Yeah, so that's all great. Uh, Man, uh, I'm going to throw this a little bit on the bayou. Uh, This coming Friday, uh, Jacob Myers starts uh, for – uh Nickel State Colonels baseball and but we saw it late. He was nine and one, two point oh two ERA, a hundred and five strikeouts, was a big part of the Colonels Uh, They didn't win the South, but they won the Southland Conference tournament, was able to get into the the tournament. And, uh, man, they gave Alabama all they they wanted. Uh, And so uh, Jacob returned. Uh, We didn't really know if Jacob would return back uh, to Nichols his freshman year. No scholarship offers other than Nichols comes in, does a phenomenal job and really kind of put that team on his back for many games.
2: Oh, 100%. I I think we both expected him to go somewhere else in the portal, maybe make a jump to the SEC after that freshman year. But staying put, good for him. We'll see what he does with the Colonels this year.
1: And in another uh, situation, so to speak, uh, Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock at Stouffer's Gym, uh, Nichols State, uh, the Colonels men's basketball team, play McNeese and Will Wade. And uh, and 22-3. Oh, for the McNeese Cowboys, 11-1 and in the Southland. Southeastern beat them in a crazy game at the end. But uh, 11-1 and in the Southland. Nichols has played really well this year. They're 8-3 and in the conference, 13-11 overall. Playing them at Stouffer and um, have a chance to go talk to uh, the um – the bandit himself, Will Wade, uh, before the game. So looking forward to to meeting up with Will, talking to him about the the Cowboys. He just signed a big extension, the yep. largest contract ever given to a coach at McNeese. Will Wade ends up with it. And, uh, man, his teams have really played well this year. And, Charlie, you and I sat here. The day was hard. He came on. He said, I'll do the show he said, are we going to win the Southland Conference?
2: Looking looking pretty good for it, too, Mike. <laughs> yeah, man, it, but I, that was a great call. We interviewed him, I think, two weeks ago, I want yeah. to say, and we chatted with Coach Wade. And, you know, I asked him about Texas A&M Corpus Christi because they had won the Southland a couple of years in a row. They had been the team that McNeese wasn't able to beat. And, you know, Coach Wade is very happy that they swept Corpus Christi this year in both games, both at uh, Corpus Christi and then back at home in Lake Charles at McNeese.
1: Yeah, so the Cowboys two and zero against the reigning defending champs of the Southland Conference. Yeah, and it, man, they they've been tough. And we saw a couple games. We watched it here, you and I, of how good Texas A&M – man, they they were tough. Yep. Uh, they are a tough out. And uh, they got some athletes on that team. But, man, we'll wait as quickly as he's been able to piece this together. But also great stuff going on at Nichols State. Uh, eight and three in the conference. That's impressive for a first-year coach.
2: And they got two matchups against the Colonels coming up on yep, the next play basically here, two and, then and a half here
1: And they go in Lake Charles afterwards. Charlie, uh, we've had a – A few texts asked about, you know, kind of – we talked about offensive line play and with John Benton coming in and Rick Dennison coming in. Where would you put priority for offensive line? Uh, Number one, uh, that's what you got to figure out. So if it's through veteran free agency or a really early round pick, you better get yourself an offensive tackle, as far as I'm concerned, for the Saints. It's a good draft to do it, though, Mike. They are loaded – and I'll give you that list next week. We're going to talk about yeah, a it. All. Bit of a preview there. Yeah, we're going to kind of break down all the positions uh, leading up into the combine, which is later in the month. But if you're looking to get better at offensive tackle and wide receiver, you no, know, this is the draft to do it. It's loaded in both spots.
2: I've seen six, maybe seven first-round offensive tackles, but at the same time, seven. Like, and a half. Yeah, it's but at the same time, it's like seven first-round receivers, maybe even upwards of potentially an eighth guy sneaking in there at the end, yeah, it's loaded at both positions this
1: upcoming season. I'll be interested, I think, the intrigue guy, because I think Marvin Harrison, if the quarterbacks go one, two, three, he becomes four on the list. And then I think it won't be too long. Uh, Malik Neighbors and Roma Dunsey, they, they won't have to sleep too long. <laughs> Those two guys will get picked in the top ten. My intrigue guy is going to be Brock Bowers because he's really a receiver playing tight end. right? Not that he doesn't block. He's sort of a getting away kind of leverage guy. But, you know, I, all I know is he can catch the ball. He's like another receiver out on the field. And which team will say, you know what, man, I want him in that top 10 or 11 picks. If he gets past there, you got a steal of a player. Now, part of it, too, he got hurt toward the end of the season – And so I think a lot of times when a player gets hurt, he isn't spotlighted like we got to see Malik and like we got to see Rome. Uh, But, man, Brock Bowers, I'd love to have him on my football team.
2: So the thing with Bowers is I saw a a mock that had him going like 16 to the Seahawks. What? If he falls, I mean, you mentioned this back in the second guest show, Mike, if he falls to 14, the Saints have to take him.
1: What? I wouldn't even, they give me the card. Uh, At that point, it just becomes best player available on the board. He gives you a dynamic as a receiver. And okay, Kubiak, he had George Kittle. Okay, he does know how to use tight ends.
2: He could go as high as as you mentioned, five to the Chargers. I think that would make sense. I don't think because he's... of Harbaugh's system, right? But the top three are going to be quarterbacks. One, two, three. It's going to be Caleb, Jaden, and then Drake. You can swap up Drake and Jaden whichever way you want to put it. And then four is going to be Marvin Harrison. Then at five, that's where things kind of shake up a little bit because the Chargers could take. Brock Bowers at the fifth overall pick, or they may go receiver. They could go, you know, Malik Malik
1: or Rome.
2: If they don't take Malik, I could see Malik potentially falling to the Giants at pick six. That would make sense. I don't think Adunze is going to fall past the Bears' second first round pick at pick nine. He's not going to fall out of the top ten in general, but I think that I could see it that being a fit. Uh, for Odunze, maybe neighbors if he falls around and that area.
1: And if and DJ Moore on the field, that's what I'm saying. But
2: they want that. <sighs> they want that receiver too. And if you're spending a first-round pick on the first overall pick on Caleb Williams, you got. I mean, you spent a first-round pick on Darnell Wright you, uh, from this past year, and then you're going to go get. You got DJ Moore. You got to go get a receiver too. You got to go get another weapon for Caleb Williams. And I think Adunze would be a nice fit.
1: And you got Cole Kometa tight end, yeah, who's a really good player. I think he gets underrated because of the fact. Look who he's look where he's at. You know, he's with the Bears, and it's not the most dynamic offense in the world. And um, I'm not the biggest Uberflus, uh man guy, uh, man, uh, as a head coach, but he's got some talent. If they they can make this right, and I think the big question mark as we get closer to draft time, Bob and I talked about this off the air last night. Is it's not what you think. If you're picking eighth or 10th or 15th or whatever, and you're looking for a quarterback because, you know, one, two, three most likely will be in whatever order. Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, Drake May Mm -hmm. is what do you think of Justin Fields? Because I'm not necessarily have to give up a first round pick to get him. I could maybe piece something together where I don't have to give up a first. I'll give up a second, maybe a conditional pick in another year. Now, I got to pay him because that's part of it now. Because I think part of the Bears' decision's already been made. You reset your money clock yeah. with Caleb instead of having to kind of fork over a lot of money for Justin Fields. I think that's going to be the big choice for a lot of teams looking for the quarterback. When it comes, of what, to what Justin do you do Fields, with Justin?
2: It's a matter of what his market is and what the Bears can get for him. Because he
1: ain't coming back to Chicago, he's
2: not, and that's the issue is that they don't have any leverage because of that. Like they teams know that they have to trade Justin Fields. Now their GM Daniel
1: Williams. Yeah, he's telling all these TV guys, "Oh, we're gonna keep both of them. Come on, no, that you got to be kidding sense. me. Okay. If you believe that again, I got mountain front property behind my home on the you to sell you. We've Come
2: mentioned on. Atlanta as a potential destination for them. They could send that second round pick. It's an early second pick. I I mean, in the NFL, it's different from, you know, other leagues like the NBA and stuff where an early second round pick is still viewed very, you know, positively. I think that would be a nice And, and
1: something else. You're going to yeah, have to kick in something else, not just but the, you know, uh, not just the second round pick with it. We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big 870. And we'll have on with us Jay Cicero, the president and CEO of the Greater New Orleans Sports Foundation, talking about future Super Bowl right here in New Orleans in 2025, right after this break on the Big 870
0: Is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago,
1: Illinois. We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike Detail, along with Charlie Long, and on our Oakland Heart Jewelers, talk and text line, President and CEO of the Greater New Orleans Sports Foundation, Jay Cicero. Jay, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon.
3: Well, thank you, Mike. Appreciate you having me on. I'm really interested to see that mountain property you have down on the bayou.
1: Man, listen, if you want to buy it, Jay, I'll cut you a good deal. A real <laughs> good bad. one. I got property, but not mountain front of property. <laughs> uh, Jay, um, I think you always learn when you go somewhere uh, about something. And so I'll throw you this first. and going to, to Vegas and seeing what happened there, we had on the Lieutenant Governor Billy Nuncester, and <laughs> Billy was – I spent an hour headed from my hotel to where they were doing the festivities. Man, he's you know, and that's the great thing about New Orleans. A lot of it is in walking distance. If you wanted to leave one place and go eat somewhere or go to a nightclub, whatever, everything's in walking distance. But did you learn a thing or two about maybe how to make the experience better by how Las Vegas did it?
3: Well, you know, you always learn something from uh, these Super Bowl or other major event host cities. Sometimes it's uh, ideas of what can work in New Orleans and sometimes it's ideas of how to do things better. I I think that, um, I think uh, the the Lieutenant Governor Nungesser's point is that the traffic was, was pretty bad there, uh, especially when it came to uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And, and so spending the, Majority of our time trying to get from one place to the other, which, you know, if, if you could walk it, that's great. Uh, and it would take you an hour to walk from, from one spot to the other, or you'd spend an hour and 20 in a car. So, you know, actually, Las Vegas did a, did a, did a good job for their first time uh, in hosting. But I think in New Orleans, we're used to crowds uh, like that. We're used to traffic control, just uh, proved it this past uh, weekend. With Mardi Gras parades, and we're and we're used to these types of of um, of major events that uh, cause these types of issues. So, uh, I think our 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 biggest plan number one is to make sure that we have the traffic moving uh, downtown.
1: Jay, kind of behind the scenes, maybe explain to everybody what goes behind setting this all up for a bid to get a Super Bowl. Okay, landing it is one thing. What people don't get is all the man time hours you guys put in and working with so many different groups to get a Super Bowl here in New Orleans. And the economic impact is unbelievable. I say this all the time to Bobby, like, you know, when we have Manning Passing Academy on the bayou, Mm because I still live there. There's not a hotel, motel, nothing, uh, bed and breakfast that you can find anywhere. They got people staying in New Orleans, uh, okay, because of the fact they can't find anything locally. And it's vice versa, so to speak, for the Super Bowl, where they got people – that's out in the Bayou country. Okay, I got a hotel, motel. I'll stay at a bed and breakfast out on the Bayou, and I'll drive in. I'll take that hour drive uh, to get to New Orleans. So I'll go on the Mississippi Gulf Coast also is another spot. But kind of behind the scenes, what it is to set this up for not also landing it, but just a bid on it.
3: Well, you know that's a very interesting question. I mean, most you're right. Most people are very interested uh, are, are always just interested. No, in, oh, we got the Super Bowl because we have the Superdome, the Caesar Superdome, and we got these hotels, and we have the French Quarter, and people love to come to New Orleans. Well, it is a it is a business proposition, and it has been for the past twenty years. Um, and what basically we have to do is we have to work with the NFL. Uh, and New Orleans and Company, and the Convention Center, and ASM Global, and the State of Louisiana, and the City of New Orleans, and all of our other partners, to figure out what year we have the hotel and and facility availability, and the capacity to uh, to to host a Super Bowl, and then we have to work with the Saints, to uh, and Mrs. Benson to to lobby the owners to uh, get the uh, uh, get the staff to, to, to work with us for a bid for the, for that particular year. And we have to do it further out because New Orleans is a very popular popular city for conventions, for special events, uh, for festivals, et cetera. And so having uh, the ability to hold on to hotel rooms sometimes when they're doing a bid process that's only three or four years out, uh, you know, we, we sometimes lose those hotel rooms to other events that are that are booking ahead of a of, of a major bid. But, you know, we have to evaluate the bid specifications and the requirements. We have to work with the staff of the NFL to figure out where, okay, what are they what are they seeking here and how can we provide what they're looking for um, in a way that doesn't cost as much as other cities, but it provides a better product in other cities and that's where our experience of our staff and our board of directors and the saints all come into play we we really work hard at at delivering a a a bid that's very competitive with other cities but is less expensive for us to do in other cities because we don't have the fortune 500 companies in louisiana that that a texas has or uh, uh, arizona or california uh, you know, Georgia, Florida. I mean, we're competing against the big boys when it comes to these events. And so, if uh, if all the bid specs work out, uh, and we put together a budget and see how much is this going to cost us to 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 do, and to provide these these um, these uh, requirements to the NFL, and, and how we're going to raise the money to do it. And so, it's usually a combination of public funds and private private fundraising that we're that we're uh, uh, charged with, with doing for uh, a Super Bowl, and this time is no different. Over twenty million dollars we have to raise uh, in order to fulfill all the obligations in the bid. And uh, if if all that works out in the bid process, then we we asked Mrs. Benson to pro- to pitch the owners, and she made a beautiful pitch to the owners back in 2018. And we were awarded actually two thousand twenty four. <laughs> and uh which would have been this past weekend and or I don't Bacchus Sunday. So but we, it is actually originally a, the year the week before. And uh when the NFL expanded from sixteen to seventeen regular season games, it, it pushed us to uh the second weekend of Mardi Gras, which is the only thing bigger in in New Orleans than Super Bowl is Mardi Gras. So we had, we had anticipated it could happen when they, when they were in the midst of their negotiations. So we put in a, a paragraph in our contract with the NFL that basically said if the results of the collective bargaining agreement uh, resulted in a, uh, a direct conflict with uh, the second weekend of Mardi Gras, then the NFL would award New Orleans the, the next available Super Bowl. And so we basically saved the Super Bowl from moving in into another city and were able to keep it here in New Orleans, but had to move it from twenty four to twenty
1: five. What will be different from say now until Super Bowl Sunday inside the dome? We've seen some changes bigger elevators. I know for all of us in the media, we we all for that. Uh, you can fit more than three or four in the elevator now, so we, uh, we all good with that part. But uh, from the Superdome itself, we see so many different changes that has happened inside. But from, say, today up until Super Bowl Sunday, and a lot of people who have went to Saints games have seen those changes, but any new changes across the board that would affect Super Bowl Sunday?
3: Well, I think it's it's big changes, but there I don't know if you would consider them anything uh new from what you saw uh last Saint season. Only half of the building was done uh and renovated for, for the Saint season this past uh this past year. And the other half is being renovated right now and it's supposed to be finished uh before uh Essence Festival moves in, in mid in mid June. So Uh, You know, like you said, more elevators, more escalators, uh, more exit stairwells, uh, three new entries uh, to the dome, the dome on the corner entries, wider concourses, which if you've been to a crowded event at the Superdome, the concourses Mm -hmm. are pretty thin, Uh, a lot more food and beverage options and availability because of the wider concourses and being able to move people in and out and just Having a lot more areas for for folks to move around and be a part of the be a part of the experience at the dome. So at the men's final four uh, a couple of years ago, if you were there, you know they have all those extra seats that are brought into the yeah. lower bowl. When when that lower bowl empties, that plaza level concourse was jam tight, and uh, they were selling beer left and right. But it was it was jam tight, and and for these for these types of events that bring in Seventy thousand people or more, and those that may not be familiar with the Superdome, the renovations of the Superdome are, are are going to be wonderful. And so, you add that to the Saints, you know, keeping the Saints competitive and keeping them here uh, in the in the state of Louisiana with these renovations. I think that's a winner all the way around.
1: Uh, it's just the times we live in, Jay. The security part, because you know, we get asked about it a lot, and that's sort of behind the scenes. Uh, Those sort of things happen when you have a big event and that many people that spotlight on a city uh, at that particular time. And and that's also part of what you're working with, too, because uh, for people today, uh, you know, what happened yesterday is one thing, but we see it all across our, our nation today. It's just the society. Uh, that we live in and the world we live in today but that's also a part of making sure that the city is safe as as safe as it can be for tourists to come here and also for people that live here locally that have tickets and buy tickets for the Super Bowl
3: absolutely you know it is it is a security and and security planning and safe public safety is is of the utmost importance uh, to not only the us as a Super Bowl host committee and sports foundation, but to the New Orleans Saints, uh, to the city, to NOPD, uh, and and the NFL. The NFL has a very thorough security uh, plan for each host city, and they work with local authorities to uh, to put together uh, the plan for not only the facility that, which would be the Caesar Superdome here, but for the convention center, public safety all around the city, and any special events. and so, uh, you know, NOPD is some of the best special event uh, security and most experienced special event security in the world. Uh, given the amount of events that happen in New Orleans, uh, Mardi Gras included, uh, and, and and everything else that all the festivals and, and and events that happen here. So, you know, we're very fortunate to have that type of experience and people who take pride in what they do uh, for these for these major events and. You know, I say Super Bowl is so different than any other one, any other major event, because it, it's the one that really pulls everyone together, and everybody's so focused and so um, uh, advanced on what they're what they're uh, working on that uh, it gives you a lot of pride uh, for not only our citizens but our police department and all the look it's the state police, the Jefferson Joe LaPinto and, and Jefferson Parish. His group, the Orleans Parish Sheriff's Department, and all the jurisdictions of security around, you know, the state are going to be uh, here in New Orleans, much like they do for Mardi Gras, and and so the planning is, you know, the the is is the key part of this, and the specifics that are surrounding, uh, you know, the entry and the exit for not only fans but VIPs and sponsors and hospitality groups. that are um, uh, at the Superdome are, are as important for as, as protecting our our citizens on a daily basis here. So we're hopeful this this will lead to even more success uh, for other events coming to New Orleans and and show the rest of the world that New Orleans is still on top of its game.
1: The other thing too, and it just popped in my head of the airport, <laughs> you saw all those private planes in and out. In Las Vegas, trying to get in some of them coming in maybe Thursday or Friday, some coming in the day of the game. And that puts a lot of stress, too, on on an airport to have that much traffic all in a short period of time, along with all the flights coming in.
3: That That's absolutely true. And so, you know, we have several uh, FBOs here, uh, uh, you know, Lakefront. And there's one out of uh, Louis Armstrong, or a couple out of Louis Armstrong, and there's there's one in Hammond, and, and of course Baton Rouge, and and all over, and all of them will be used, and all of them will be maxed out. Um, and there's there are some planes that we we heard in, in Las Vegas that will that will land, drop off their passengers, and take off, and go somewhere on game day, <laughs> and come back to pick them up because there's not enough space to park them, um, and so it is a it is and that's why the economic impact is so high for super bowl it is a very high corporate attended event and that's the, that's what's different about it than say the final four the final four is one of my favorite events of all time because it's the fans that make up yeah. 80% of the fan uh, the, the attendees and the, from the four schools that make up 80% of the attendees for a final four but for super bowl it is a corporate partner they're entertaining these corporations entertain their top 100, 150 people from around the world, and they want to impress them. And so people's jobs are riding on that weekend, and the um, and they need to perform and do extremely well.
1: Jay, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Really appreciate it. You guys do an unbelievable job, and people wouldn't get how much time and effort it takes to land the Super Bowl. And, you know, if a team gets a, you know, a, a new stadium is one thing, but – Guys, what you've done to the Superdome and everything else to get this to land this Super Bowl? You guys have done an unbelievable job.
3: Well, we thank you. It's our it's our record tying 11 Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, as Las Vegas just hosted their first, so we have a 54 year head start on it. <laughs>
1: That's pretty good, Jay. That's almost as good as uh, when I'm gonna invite you to come ski at that mountain front property behind my house on the bay. <laughs> Can't wait. All right. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you, Mike. All You're right. Jay Cicero, president and CEO of the Greater New Orleans Sports Foundation. will be back with Triple Option right after this break here on the Big 870. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field,
0: it is high, it is far, it is kind.
1: Stream minor league affiliates.
0: The Midwest League home run leader.
1: We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike, to tell you along with Charlie Long, Jeff Nowak joins us now for Triple Option, where we give our top takes on the top stories in sports. And I sort of gave mine away as, uh, man, I'm, I'm anxious I have not seen him in person. But I want to watch McNeese State Cowboys basketball. And so Saturday, I get to go meet with uh, Coach Wade a little bit before the game and then go watch uh, the Cowboys play Nickel State uh, at Stouffer's Gym in Thibodeau. And man, they are on a tear. When you're 22 and 3, got a Michigan W up there, 11 and 1 in the Southland, uh, anxious to watch uh, what happens with Will Wade and how this develops. And we know one year uh, he'll be gone. <laughs> but, and that, and probably after next year, but uh, he got another year of a run with Will Wade. And, and one thing is, he ain't bashful about telling you how good he is.
4: No, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. As I grew up in Connecticut, I'm a UConn fan, so this time of year is is my time to shine. College basketball season. You're you a
1: UConn man. You should have been. Thrilled off of what happened uh, this past year. Oh, I mean, come I, on.
4: Right. You, you, you right. got me. I could sit here and talk about UConn for an hour. That's why I was so excited in the Pelicans drafted Jordan Hawkins. I knew what they were getting. Oh,
1: man, that dude can shoot. Now, defense, he's matzah matzah at best, but man, can he so, shoot that rock.
4: It was ready. What, what you got for us, jumping. Jeff? Yeah, I, you know, I, I looked up some numbers uh, yesterday. Talked about it on the podcast, Inside Black and Gold. We can dive into it a little bit here. So one thing about Clint Kubiak that I think is very helpful as you look at him and how he's going to develop the offense is I think that this is a man who is kind of a wizard when it comes to – the scripted portion of the game, the first 15, the first whatever. And, you know, I went through a bunch of old Clint Kubiak interviews, and they were talking to him a lot about that. And it was more the questions were, how can you extend that success out of the first 15? They were even talking about, can you script stuff coming out of halftime? And so I went and I looked at it. And, you know, on the drives that the Vikings started within that first 15 in the 2021 season, they had 46 drives, 13 touchdowns, nine field goals, 118 total points. Now, those numbers, it's, it's tough to compare them without you know something to look at. And so you can look at the 2023 Saints for comparison, 41 drives, 20 punts, same number of punts, eight touchdowns, five field goals. Now, they did miss three field goals. They had three opening drives of games with an end a missed field goal. But that's 71 points. So the Vikings in 2021 in these first 15 play drives, right, they almost doubled the Saints' point total in the 2023 season. I think slow starts in games were a massive issue for the Saints and when it came to winning close games. You can't really look at a lot of games and say the Saints got out to a big lead and blew it like the 49ers in the Super Bowl, right? Like you look at these games and say they got behind early and they weren't able to make it all the way back. And so I think if Clint Kubiak is able to do one thing and that one thing is script opening possessions that get off to a fast start, I think the Saints will be much better off. So I'm really happy to see those numbers, and I'm interested to see how he can do in the Orleans with that. I'll,
1: I'll ask you this because I think everybody keeps saying, well, look at the, what the 49ers did. You can't compare the 49ers to the Saints, but I think his offense is going to be a little bit of a mix of mm-hmm. what San Francisco did, what he did in Minnesota, what his pops did.
4: Oh, I agree. Yeah, everyone's looking at at the I I think it's
1: going to be a mix of the three because, okay, you don't have the personnel the 49ers do. You don't have it. Uh, So I think it. but the looks are going to be the mix of what you saw with him in Minnesota, what you've seen with them in San Francisco, and also what his pops did in the running game part. That's one thing, man. With Gary, they could run the football.
4: I mean, just look at the coaching staff, right? Clancy Barone, Andrew Janoco, Rick Dennison—all these guys were with him John in Minnesota. Benton. Yeah, right. Like these are all guys that go back to Minnesota. So, if you're looking at uh, Clinton saying, "Oh, he's just going to bring a 49ers clone to New Orleans," it's not <laughs> what's going to happen. You're going to—I think—you're going to pluck some things out of that. You're going to see adjustments. You'll probably see more motion. You'll probably see the compressed looks. Like the forty nine ers run. But if you're if you're waiting for Shanahan part two, I don't think that's where you're
1: gonna get. Nope. Don't believe so. Charlie. So six teams
2: I'm hopping back to the hardwood. Six teams are still got one game to play before the all star break. But the Pelicans are there. And this is the first time that they've been 10 or more games above 500 heading into the All-Star break since 2008-2009 season, guys, via the Athletics' Will Guillory, which is awesome to hear. Uh, I mean, these last three games have been ugly, as we said, Mike, but a win's a win, right? You got to look at it that way. At it? the
1: end of the year, does it really matter? Well, When you're in that game, it matters. The issue is if you look end, at the Western Conference,
2: no. it's so tightly congested, and all the teams that are in playoff contention... Are on winning streaks except for the Nuggets. The Nuggets yes. are the one team that's kind of fallen off a little bit, and because of that, they've slid from you know top three to now the four seed. The Pelicans right now with a thirty three and twenty two record, and man, I miss. I wish they were in the Eastern Conference because they would be the four seed right now. Instead, they're the six seed. They're out of the Western Conference Play-in Tournament, which is what you want to see. Uh, But at the same time, you're looking at the teams above them. You're seeing the Suns, the Nuggets, the Clippers, the Thunder, the Timberwolves, all these teams that have been so legit this year. And the Pelicans are putting themselves in that number, which is great to see. It's just about how high they can climb. The good news is that
1: out of the All-Star break, they have some winnable games left. That's what I was going to ask you. The next three games after that. Correct. How it sets up for them. I want to see how they react to that time off and can it click. Yeah, so after that they have the Rockets
2: at home. They have actually three straight home games against the Rockets who are middling, they're about 5 games below 500. The Heat who are probably the best team that they play in this stretch, they're, you know, around I think 29 and 24, 30 and 24. Yeah. The Bulls also below 500 and then the Knicks. That is their who first up, road game who out, have out that played trip. Pretty the well. Knicks have played very yeah. well, but they have injury issues. Yeah. OG Ananobi is going to be out for a couple of weeks. Julius Randle has been dealing with an injury as well. So you don't know what type of Knicks squad you're going to see in that game uh but yeah looking at the pelicans right now once again 11 games above 500 entering the all-star break bobby keeps talking about how optimistic he is i am as well i love to see that you know this is the first time that they're in this kind of air since that 0809 season guys and we don't talk about the Pelicans being this good very often.
4: Yeah, I think when you look at it, you kind of have to establish a goal, right? And, like, my goal right now, if I'm the Pelicans, I do not want to sniff that play-in tournament. I want to no, be sitting home no, watching no. those games on TV. That would be the successful step forward to me. If you end up the seventh seed and you have to fight your way in, I don't like that. I want to finish six or five, maybe a sneak up to four if someone falls off.
2: The issue is that Dallas is right on their tail. Yeah. right. Dallas is on a six-game winning streak. They're now 32 and 23. They're only one game back of the Pel. So, I mean, this three-game winning streak that they've gone on, winning seven of their last eight, it is necessary for them to stay out of that playing tournament. That's just how competitive the West is this year.
1: Guys, I don't don't see your thoughts on this. Dotson brought this up to us Monday night when I had brought it up to him, and he said, I think it's a good point. This team has a tendency most of the time to play up and down to the level of their opponent."
2: The issue is that they've done relatively well against the bad teams until recently. Like until they've, they've recently, they've got a ton of double-digit leads this, or double-digit wins. This year. Charlie,
1: that's got to alarm you. Oh, of yeah, what's happened sure. the last? They three haven't played well. Games. I mean, they
2: haven't played well at all. But this is also via David Fisher that they're uh, the bird rights. Uh, he's got the Pelicans record against the fellow pl- West playoff teams, the top eight seeds. Against Minnesota, they're two and two. The two losses they didn't have Zion for. That's something to consider. Against Oklahoma City, they're one and one. Against the Clippers, they're two and one. Against Denver, they're 1-2. That's not a good matchup for them at all. Against Phoenix, they're 0-1. Those are the two teams that I don't want to see in the first round. I would rather them face each other in like a 4-5 game or something like that. And then you have Dallas, they're 2-2 against. And Sacramento, they've owned. They're
1: 4-0. That's the craziest thing. Because, you know, you watch Sacramento at times. They look really good. And, man, they shoot lights out. And in other games... It's like they got a big piece of plywood over the top of the goal. I think it was Mark Woods, and
2: Mark Spears, that said he doesn't know what to think of that the, Sacramento I, team. I agree. They get up for like the really good teams, and they, but then they'll lose to the Pistons. I don't really know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's it for triple option. We'll be back to finish it off here in our number two of sports talk. Right after this break, we're finishing up here in our number two of sports talk here on the Big Eight Seventy. Mike Detilia, along with Charlie Long, Jeff Nowak, and at six o'clock at six. Ross Jackson covers the Saints for Locked On Saints podcast will join us to talk uh, some more Saints stuff and news and uh, every day there's news on the Saints as if his coaching changes speculation on what's going to happen and you know and you got to do some things uh, cap wise and we've talked about it what most likely will happen with Derek Carr it eliminates a lot of cuts here and there so we'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big 870 WWL right after this news break